I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. growing problem with drug-resistant infections acquired in hospitals is catching the eye of consumer reports, which has added the incidence of two common and deadly infections to their hospital ratings. The ratings come in the second part of a three-part investigation into the antibiotic crisis. We spoke to Doris Peter, Director of Consumer Reports Health Rating Center, about the study, what the highest-rated hospitals are doing that the lower-rated ones are not, and things patients can do to safeguard themselves when they face a hospital stay. Doris, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Consumer Reports just published the second of a three-part investigation into the antibiotic crisis. We're going to talk about the second part of that series, which looks at hospital-based infections Perhaps you can begin by giving us a sense of how big a problem this is today. Well, it's really an enormous problem. I mean, we know that 650,000 people approximately develop infections in the hospital each year, and 75,000 people die with these infections. And your new ratings take into account the incidence of MRSA and C. diff infections. These are two bacterial infections that in many cases are beating our current arsenal of antibiotics as resistance has become a big problem in combating them. How big a problem do they represent? Yes, they're quite a, a large burden um, for particular reasons. Um, and MERS and C. diff are, are new in our report because data, enough data is now available for us to, to really bring it to light and develop uh, ratings in a way to understand them. So for MRSA, there are about 60,000 infections every year and 8,000 deaths. Um, and with C. difficile, there are about 300,000 infections in hospitals and other healthcare facilities, and 27,000 people die each year as a result. So it's a real, it's a real big issue. And C. diff, um, I think, is, is now coming out as having a lot of burden even after you're discharged from the hospital, and that it's sometimes even spread once you get home to other family members. And so it's, it's a real problem. Well, how does the problem with MRSA and C. diff tie into what you learned in the first part of the series? Well, it really has, the tie-in is really with antibiotics. So we have um, just a, a, a complete problem with overuse of antibiotics in this country, and that fosters two things. One is that it increases uh, resistance to antibiotics, so that's what you see with MRSA. So you see drug-resistant staph aureus in the form of MRSA, or even worse, another kind called Versa, which is another antibiotic um, which uh, used to kill MRSA, but now that's a problem. Uh, so that happens when you have overuse of antibiotics and, um, you know, overuse in terms of prescribing and also in our food. Um, and then for C. difficile, it's tied with antibiotic use because the antibiotics are given uh, sometimes for things that uh, are, you know, and sometimes unnecessarily will kill the local flora in your body. And then C. difficile will colonize your body and cause all sorts of symptoms and sometimes even death. Well, as you mentioned, you, you recently added this to the, the analysis because of data becoming available. Where did the data come for, for this? 
Well, hospitals are required to report this data now to the CDC, and then the CDC gives it to the the CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and then that's allowed it's allowed out to the public now. So anyone actually can go and download these files. But what we do is we try to um, we analyze the files and try to make the data understandable and comparable across hospitals. When you look at the MRSA and C. diff rates for different hospitals, how much of an indicator are they for consumers? Well, I think they're they're an indicator of what the hospital may or may not be doing to prevent those infections. So hospitals that are doing poorly on one or both are receiving one of our two lowest ratings. I'd be concerned that they're actually not implementing CDC-recommended guidelines for preventing these infections. So that might be, uh, for example, antibiotic stewardship programs that reduce overuse of antibiotics within the hospital, so treatment in the hospital, and then proper hygiene, not just hand washing, and I shouldn't say just because it's a perpetual problem, but also proper cleaning techniques of the rooms themselves, including curtains, like, for example, washing the curtains or things that maybe um, are not standard. The numbers seemed a a bit surprising or, or perhaps I should say disturbing can you give a, a overall breakdown of how hospitals performed? Sure. So um, across the country, we had uh, three out of 10 hospitals, so approximately 30%, got one of our two lowest scores for C. difficile, and four out of 10 received one of our two lowest marks for avoiding MRSA. So that's a, that's a big concern. And then only 6% received our highest scores against both. Um, so that's that's quite uh, disturbing. Now, if you compare that with central line infection, so that's a type of infection that's been followed for much longer, and hospitals have had a lot of time to implement the proper protocols. About 60% of hospitals get our two highest ratings for central line infections or avoiding central line infections. So you can see what's possible um, over time. You know, one of the other big surprises was that some very big name hospitals, one's people would think of as top rank didn't fare too well against MRSA and C. diff. What did you find? Yes, it's, it's true. Um, you know, we found actually that, um, for, for example, teaching hospitals uh, scored um, less well than non-teaching hospitals, even when you controlled for uh, the hospital size and for uh, the urban location of the hospital. So, um, and teaching hospitals tend to be the ones that have names that are more recognizable. Uh, so I think that's, um, you know, that's a concern for people. And, you know, to be honest, though, what people really have to do is look at the hospitals in your neighborhood because you can have higher and lower performing hospitals uh, no matter where you are. You might have one just a few miles away uh, that's um, higher performing. So, you know, you, you can, you really need to look at the data in your area. Well, what made the difference? What did the high-scoring hospitals do that the others didn't? We spoke to some of them, and, um, you know, it really came down to uh, rigorous uh, control of the environment and really even engaging the staff. So one of the hospitals um, had uh, different kinds of competitions within the hospital to see which, you know, group could perform the best at preventing infections, which ones could have the best scores at hand hygiene. Um, I've heard uh, certainly the antibiotic stewardship programs is something that a lot of them are doing. Um, I've heard of hospitals running programs where the staff will wear a button that says, ask me if I washed my hands. Um, That's just, you know, a real great example of trying to engage the patients and saying, it's okay to ask me. You know, I'm not going to, you should ask. (laughs) I'm sorry you have to ask, but you should. Um, So there are all sorts of ways that uh, that hospitals can be doing this. Um, Some of them 
uh, that are not doing well, this is another way of looking at it, um, when we asked them about it, they said that they have joined, um, they've joined forces with the CDC and the Joint Commission to address their problems. So they're bringing in help to help them analyze what's going on. Well, are, is there a list of best practices that hospitals should be doing? Um, yeah, we've, you know, put down our recommendations that are very general, but the CDC has specific guidelines as to what hospitals can do in all these cases. Uh, they have uh, toolkits for hospitals to deploy in terms of cleaning protocols. Um, there is a, uh, for insertion of central lines and other lines, there are step-by-step -step checklists to employ, deploy, um, and then there are antibiotic stewardship programs. So there's a lot of, a lot of it out there. Um, each hospital, I think, has to figure out what works best, you know, in their environment and how to deploy them. Because just because you have a checklist doesn't mean you can throw it at a group of people and say, here, it's going to work. You know, there's a lot. I think I think it was the Tool Gwandi who wrote an article about that, about, you know, the, the weight has to come from the bottom up in that in that the staff have to measure what's going on. They have to they have to identify the problem from themselves and then implement the, the solution in their workflow in order to actually get it to work. There's been also changes in reimbursement where hospitals bear the cost of, of problems that, that take place within their walls. Is this include MRSA and C. diff infections that occur when a patient is at a hospital? Well, as far as I understand, the it's more of a penalty system where the lower performing hospitals um, receive a penalty against their reimbursements. It may be hard to uh, to actually um, you know tie it directly to an individual patient in terms of not paying for something. It would be good to see what private payers are doing. I have not yet heard, but maybe it's happening that private payers are also um, either penalizing or not paying for for things. I, I take it, that, you know, this is really uh, the first time you've used this data. Is there any indication whether the, these types of financial incentives help? Um, well, there's, you know, it's hard to say. The, the, the central line infection rates have gotten better over time, but the penalty system only kicked in recently. Um, so I'm not really sure what, whether it was because the threat of that coming um, you know, uh, made a change. So that would be interesting to know. Uh, definitely the, you know, they were incentivized to report. Like if you don't report, you also are, are penalized. So the reporting itself is part of it. And there is some evidence that when you publicly report data, then, you know, pr performance will improve. So it may be a mixture of the penalties or the fear of penalties and then also the public reporting and the ability to see your data out there. That's probably part of it. What about the patients themselves? Are there things they should do to safeguard themselves when spending time in a hospital? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always recommend the the hand washing issue. So it's um it's not only you, but your your visitors who come in to ask them, please wash your hands, and um you know to have them or you you know mention this to staff when they come in to not be afraid to ask about hand washing. Although we know it's um, it's difficult uh, to do, and that the majority of patients, when we've um, surveyed them, have if if they didn't see the practitioner or staff wash their hands, are reluctant to ask. So we know it's not um, something people feel comfortable doing, uh, but we know it's doable, and um, and it likely will help. Then the other thing is asking about antibiotic prescribing, because um, you know both in and out of the hospital, um, overuse of antibiotics again is related to these illnesses. And the more we can do to stop that, it, it will help not only you personally with your condition, but potentially other people um, as we try to battle this overuse problem. Doris Peter, Director of Consumer Reports Health Rating Center. Doris, thanks so much for your time today. 
Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.